before we get started today, um, next Thursday, May 31st, there will be no healing service here. Uh, so you keep that in mind, and, and that way I'll save you a trip into the church next week. Amen? Okay, uh, let's go ahead and get into it. Um, today we're going to be continuing the series that we started some, some weeks ago, I guess a few months ago now, uh, titled Habits of a Blessed Christian. And uh, we've been doing this series, uh, we've already said that there's 12 habits that we're going to be covering this series. Um, and let's, let's start with Proverbs 18, which is one of our foundational scriptures. The other one is Leviticus 20, 26. Proverbs 18 says this, it says, The strong spirit, everyone say strong spirit, of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble. But a weak and broken spirit, who can raise up or bear? Now, as I've said every week, our goal here, what we're shooting for, is we want to learn the things, the habits that a Christian can possess that will help him build his spirit, make a strong spirit. We want to do the things, according to the word, that establishes our faith. We want to do the things that build us up and give us a heart for the things of God. And in order to do that, we've been covering these, these habits. And we've, we've used a quote many, many times, and you're probably tired of it, but I want you to memorize it. I want it to be a part of you. Because although, again, it's not Scripture, it is very scriptural. And it says this, it says, So a thought, reap words. So words reap actions. So actions reap habits. So habits reap character. So character reap a destiny. And the character I'm talking about is the character of God. It's those traits that God possesses that He gave to us when He shed His love abroad and poured forth into our heart by the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. For that deposit, when we became born again, when we were immersed in Christ, He deposited within us 
the fruits, the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, the gentleness, the goodness, the temperance, the meekness, the faith. And the perception, I think, to a lot of Christians is, well, okay, they're there, but they don't understand that those fruits need to be developed and grown. And there are certain things that we do as a Christian, as a disciple, as a follower of Christ, to allow these fruits to grow in our life. And that's what these habits are all about. We have an emphasis on speaking in line with the Word, thinking in line with the Word, and doing or taking action in line with what the Word says. Do you know that those three things constitute us being able to walk in faith? It's having the God kind of faith when we think, speak, and do according to what the Word says. Reminds me of over Mark 11 where it talked about have the faith of God or have, one translation says, have the God kind of faith. And it goes on and talks about speaking to your mountains. See, all circumstances and the trials of life are the sicknesses, the, 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 the lack, uh, the relationship issues that you might have. All they are are circumstances of life that are geared at stealing the word from our life. They're geared to get your mind off of what you are in Christ and to get you centered on fear, worry, anxiety, and all the things that are totally contrary to the Word of God. That's why these habits are so important, because as they become a part of you, our response will be automatic. It will almost be involuntary. And so our reaction will be, according to what the Word says, and we won't respond in a way that is contrary to the Word. And although this might sound repetitive because you've heard me say it before, I'm going to say it again and again and again. It is not those things that come against you in life that's going to hurt you. It is going to be our response to those things that come against you that's going to hurt you. So when the trials of life come, we can choose only two options. One is what the Word says out of our mouth and the things we do, or we can respond according to what the world does in conformance to them, oh, woe is me, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? And so, these habits that we've been speaking of are so critical. These are habits based upon godly principles. And what the Word says. Leviticus 20, 26. And again, I read from the New Living Translation. says, You must be holy because I am holy. I have set you apart from all other people to be my very own. See, when you're His very own, when you're set apart, to be holy means that God's ways become our ways. And as we travel that path according to His Word, guess what? We become holy like He is. We become established, and that's where the blessings flow. That's where happiness and joy and peace and all those things we desire in this life, that's where they reside, as we are holy, as we become holy, as He is holy. Now, now He said in His Word that if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, we can choose not to keep those commandments, can't we? But if we choose not to keep His commandments, then is the reverse true? That we apparently don't love Him? (laughs) If we love Him, we keep His commandments. So, sometimes we choose not to. Now, there's many areas of our lives where we're in, where we're doers of the Word. Okay, I know every one of you, there's some areas, as Christian uh, men and women, that you are uh, very strong in some areas, very strong in, in the Word in some areas, where you know what Word says and you do the Word 
and you're getting the you're reaping the blessings from that. But there's also some things, some warts and wrinkles in people's lives where maybe they're not as strong as. Maybe they're not such a doer. So key is for us to find out where those things are. Where where is our lack? Where are the issues of our life that we're just not be able to reach we're not able to grab them out of that eternal realm and bring them in the physical realm where we want them. Where they really have meaning here. Because we all know that the words and promises of God are conditional. So, the blessings have already been provided. Everything that we've been redeemed from is provided. It's already there. He's not holding anything back. It's there. It's a matter of us yielding to what that word says, establishing our hearts in those areas where it becomes a part of our belief system, where we're governed in how we think, how we speak, and what we do. And then we're able to walk in those blessings. We establish, we're, we're able to reap the harvest and walk in all those blessings that we, that we truly deserve, or desire, not deserve, we desire. Now, um, We've covered already um, six, six of the, um, the habits, and I'm just going to read them to you real quick. Um, first of all, they diligently spend time with the Father daily. And we've talked about that, how nothing, needs, nothing should take priority over your relationship with your Father. You build your day around Him. You don't just sort of put Him in your day somewhere. You make sure that your day is built around your relationship with your Father. Secondly, they consistently give thanks and praise and worship Him regardless of the circumstances. Nothing satisfies like His presence. And worshiping Him and thanking Him and praising Him in all that, all that you are and all that, that's going on in your life, all that does is provide an intimacy with your Father. Three, they feed their spirit by reading and listening to God's Word every day. Man shall not live by bread alone. Corinthians tells us to desire this as a sincere milk of the Word. Physical food. See, see, especially in America, you know, some of us are, Americans are, you know, physically, we, you know, we eat well. Okay, we're sort of physically obese in a lot of ways. But we're sort of anorexic when it comes to the things of the Spirit. So we need our spiritual nutrition. And coming on Wednesday night and Sunday morning doesn't get it. You get fed. You get fed well. But I can't survive with two meals a week. I've got to have a meal every day. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is spend the time with the Father. Habit number four, we said that they strengthen and encourage themselves daily by meditating on God's Word. This is where we renew our mind. This gets into deep thinking, deep thinking about what that word says to us. The whole purpose of meditation is for us to take that word and to be able to obey what's written, demanded of God in, what, in, what, in, in the word. And, and why do we do that? So that we can be successful, so we can be prosperous. Habit four, or habit five rather. The words they speak are governed by their faith in God's word. We spent some time on this. Our words must be governed by the Word of God. Words that we speak have an impact on our life. They change things, either to the good or to the negative. Luke 6 tells us, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And then habit number six, that we've been dealing with for the last um, two or three sessions on this series, and we said they demonstrate their faith by acting upon God's Word. We, we've been spending some time here. We're going to spend a little bit more. Um, go with me over to James chapter 1. James 1 and verse 22. Two weeks ago we read this. We spent a little time on it. So I'm going to just do a real brief ref- refresher here for the next 10 minutes or so. James 1, 22 says this, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For anyone... For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, 
and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and continues in it, and continues in it, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Now, look at verse 25 again. It says, but, now here's the key. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty. What's the perfect law of liberty? It's God's Word. It's Jesus. What's the Word say? It says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Okay, so he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. Not a one-time thing. Not, well, as, as I think about it, I'll do it. But continues, makes a habit in doing that word to the point where it becomes almost involuntary, like we breathe. It says, being an all forgetful her, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed, will be blessed, will be blessed in what he does. See, many Christians try, try to fix themselves through their own efforts. And they try to fix the old you. And what they really need to be doing is being transformed by what the Word says into, now listen to this, into what you already are. To be transformed into what you already are. Because, see, God's already, He's already given His Word, He's already told you what you are. But sometimes, in some cases, we haven't taken the step yet to enter into that realm and to walk out what our life really should be and is. Now, I've used this example before and got into trouble, so I'm going to try to really be better at my words this time. I like to use my wife as an example. (laughs) Now, Each and every morning when I wake up with my wife, there is a noticeable difference in her. I call it sleep hair. Okay? So she wakes up with, and and her hair is now conformed. Ah, I'm trying. I'm trying. It's now being conformed to the shape of the pillow. And since she uses 57 different pillows, it can be anywhere. <laughs> or it can be conformed to her arm. It can be, but, but just, it's, it's just not right, you know, when it gets up, in the, when she gets up in the morning. So, <clears throat> but when she gets up and starts getting prepared to go to work or wherever she's going, there's a transformation that takes place over a period of time, a short period, a short period of time. <laughs> And, 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 and as this, this, now they, in order to be transformed, she uses several tools. She has all of these different curling irons, okay, different shapes, sizes. And she has them all plugged in. And I know when she plugs them in because I can hear the meter and the outside going, yeah. <laughs> and of course she has, you know, their hair dryer. And, and the hair dryer is, it's like a turbo. You know, it's a double turbo jet. And she turns it on, it's like a wind tunnel. But, and I always know when she's doing her hair. But anyway, as she, and then, oh, yeah, she has two or three different hairsprays that she uses. And, of course, the, the final one is the sparkles. Okay. Now, but when she emerges from the, re- the bathroom, she has been transformed 
from the sleep hair into this. You pulled that one off. <laughs> Beautiful lady. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. So there's a transformation that takes place. And see but see the same thing applies. Of course, that's a, a sort of a natural, uh, you know, try to guess it would be somewhat comical. But the fact is that a transformation needs to take place in our spiritual lives as well. And when we look into the perfect law of liberty, that's our tool, the Word of God, and continue in it, she does this every morning, and continue in it, and continue in it, being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, you're going to, that person will be blessed. That means that we are not trying to fix ourselves by, by a conscious act of our will to make a change in our life. What we've done is we've taken the inside and made the change on the inside to where it becomes natural to us. It is part of our belief system and we're able to operate out of that belief. We're governed by our belief system. And you can't act or behave any other way. Just as that's become a habit in her life, and I'm sure every lady goes through the same habit. Maybe some of you guys with shorter hair, maybe not as much. But the fact is, it needs to be a habit with us. That's how transformation takes place. And as you do that, again, we, we yield to the blessings of God, and they just, they just manifest in our life. You can't stop it. It's impossible to stop the things of God to manifest in your life when you transform yourself. The Bible calls it being transformed from glory to glory into His image. And that's what we're pursuing. That's what it takes to build a strong spirit in your life. Now, the last session, a couple of weeks ago, we got into some examples of acting on the Word, of, of taking that Word and being a doer of it. We, and I'm not going to go through these in any detail again, but just as a reminder, we went to Exodus 23, and we, and we, we saw where God, through Moses, told him and told the people that if you do all I say... If you're obedient, if you will do what I tell you to do, if you line up with what my word says, then I'm going to be an enemy to your enemies. And I'm going to wipe out the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, and Jebusites. He says, I'm going to wipe them out for you. Who's going to do it? He is. And then he says, here's something else I want you to do. Okay? So again, we're going to be obedient. And what he says, you you must... uh, uh, don't bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their pride. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces. So when you do that, here comes the blessing. Here's what I'm going to do for you. It says, worship the Lord your God and His blessing will be on your food and water. And I will take away sickness. I will take away sickness. I will take away sickness from you. You will not miscarry. And you'll have a full lifespan. But, God, do what I tell you to do. Okay, later on in Exodus 24, Moses took what God said to the people, and the people, and Jesus says, we will do everything that God told us to do. Okay, now, after, after the people said that, God said, okay, I'll give you this land, the promised land, now go send spies. You know, select one leader from each tribe, 12, 12 spies, and go in, spy it out. Okay? They did. And they came back with an evil report, what the Bible describes as an evil report. Based upon what they saw. Based on what the people saw. See, they saw giants. They saw these, the children of Anak. Large human beings. They saw walled, heavily fortified cities. And they came back and said, we can't take these folks. We're just the grasshoppers in their sight. And 
we even felt that not only did they think we looked like grasshoppers, we felt like we were grasshoppers. All right? So, but God said, I give it to you. Just do everything I tell you to do. I'm going to wipe them out for you. But they concentrated on what they saw. Now, we were talking a few minutes ago about circumstances of your life. Didn't we? And the circumstances of your life is where the enemy will try to steal from you. So they went in, and guess what? The enemy stole from them. Because they chose not to believe God. They chose to believe what they saw. They exalted what they saw above what the Word says. And God called it an evil report. And as a result of that, we find out a few uh, books later in the book of Numbers, that because they were disobedient, because they put more stock in what they saw than what the Word of God was, that everyone from the age of 20 on up had to die and would not go into the promised land. So for the next 40 years, a couple hundred people a day were, be, you know, were, were dying off until they got down to just you know, everyone that was less than 20 years old, with the exception of Caleb and Joshua, because they were ready to go in and take it over because they believed God. They were obedient to what that word says. And they were the only ones that survived. Caleb was 40 years old at the time that they were supposed to go into the promised land. 45 years later, he makes a statement over in Joshua because, see, because of his obedience, he, he received an inheritance. He received the whole mountain plus the lands around it for his people, his tribe. Because he was obedient to the word. That was his inheritance. <laughs> that was good. Do you know that we have an inheritance? Our Lord and Master not only died so that we can inherit that wealth, but he is also the administrator of the will. And so everything that he paid for belongs to us. But just like in the times when they were going into the promised land, we've got to believe his word rather than the things we see. I don't know if you've seen God. I haven't seen him. The just shall live by faith. What does that mean? Well, that means I'm speaking God's Word, I'm thinking God's Word, I'm doing God's Word, even though I don't see God, just because His Word says it. I esteem that Word and I elevate that Word above everything else in my life, no matter what it is. The Word tells us that he has exalted his word above his name. That there is nothing higher. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And as we take that word, as we take Jesus, as we take the truth, apply it to our lives, the circumstances that we don't like disappear. They can't stand before the living God. Evil cannot stand in His presence. It will be totally burned up. You've got to go. And it's all from us just being faithful doing what the Word says, regardless of what we see, regardless of how we feel. We just keep doing what the Word tells us to do. Now, let's get into, let's talk about obedience for a while. We know that the word believe, and if you've been here any time or, or if you've listened to any of the CDs, and by the way, you can go to uh, mediavictory.com and if you miss a session or if you need to 
uh, re-listen to one, you can go there and you can download it and, and listen uh, online. Uh, and I would encourage you to do that. But we've said believe means to live in accordance with. Really anything. Believe. So, so it, it just simply means that we're doing it. Look at Mark chapter 16. Mark 16. And we'll start with verse 16. And I'm going to read out the New King James Version. It says this, So he who believes, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Now, many people will say, well, in order for me to be saved, I don't only have to believe, but I have to be baptized or water baptized. Okay? Well, the fact is that the Bible speaks of four baptisms. Okay? One is when you're born again, okay, baptism means immersion. Okay, that's what that word means. The first one is when you're baptized into Christ. In other words, you're immersed into Christ. That's your born again experience. Okay, so you're baptized into Christ. So he who believes, if I believe it, I got to act on it, don't I? So I confess Jesus as Lord. Then I'm baptized into Christ. I receive my new nature. I am now a new form of creation that's never existed before. I receive a new identity. The old old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Okay. Second baptism is water baptism. Okay. This was this was a, a, a an outward expression of an inward work. It's basically telling the whole world who's ever watching you get water baptized. When you're immersed in that water, you're dead in your sins. I identify myself with Christ and I'm buried with Him. And I'm raised to new life. And my whole identity is now in Christ. The third baptism is baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the fourth is basically, you know, we don't see much of that anymore. Since, since John the Baptist is dead, there's no more baptism under repentance under John the Baptist. Okay? But certainly, the three baptisms, I just, the first three I spoke about are very much in, in effect. Very much what we do today. So, it says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. That means, if I don't believe, then I have not acted upon the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. I have said, I reject you. I choose not to be your disciple. I choose not to be immersed into Christ. I still want to do my own thing. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, what name? Jesus, the Word, the truth. In my name, they will cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So if I'm a believer, I've been immersed in Christ, I've confessed Him as Lord, and now as a believer, He's told me that I have this authority to do all these things. I'm going to speak with new tongues. I can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. If I make a mistake and drink something that's poison or deadly to me, it's not going to harm me. If I make a mistake and I'm walking in the woods and I get bitten by a, a poisonous snake, just like the Apostle Paul, you shake it off into the fire and no harm will come to you. Go with me over to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, we'll start with verse 46. I'm going to go with the Amplified Bible. Says this, why do you call me Lord, Lord, which means Master, and do not practice what I tell you? For everyone who comes to me and listens to my words in order to heed their teaching and does them, I will show you what he's like. He is like a man building a house who dug and went down deep and laid a foundation upon the rock. And when the flood arose, the torrent broke against the house and could not shake or move it, because it had been securely built or founded on rock. 
But he who merely hears and does not practice doing my words is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation against which the torrents burst and immediately collapsed and fell. And the breaking and ruin of that house was great. A couple points I want to make. One, and listen very carefully. When you find out what the Word says, what the Word of God expects from you in terms of obedience, in terms of doing, you are responsible to do it. Also keep this in mind. It would be, I think, a very rare thing, if, if, if not, I can call it a non-existent thing, that God will give you anything more until you're obedient to what he's already told you. So our spiritual growth is dependent on how well we obey and are a doer of the word in terms of what we already possess. That's why a lot of people sort of get down and depressed because, uh, again, they're wanting things in their life, they're wanting changes to occur in their life, but they don't see it happening. But yet, if they go back and assess where they're at, they find out there may be a lot of the Word that they just never put into practice yet. They know what it means. They've heard it. They've just chosen not to do it yet. See, God's a methodical builder. He not only lays a solid foundation in a Christian's life, it's stone upon stone. And unless those stones are right in the building process, he don't want to put something on top of it which might bring a collapse. So the things that we hear, it's important that we apply them to our life. So many Christians are wanting to hear more and more. You know, tell me more. Just give me something deeper. Give me something. Just do what you know to do right now. And believe me, he's a pretty smart individual. He knows how to get additional stuff to you when it's time. Second point I want to make is, if by chance your house is falling apart now, maybe in some cases, maybe need a, a repair or two, maybe even a major repair, start doing. Start doing. It's amazing. I think I mentioned this before, you know, but I do a lot of spiritual guidance type um, you know, meetings with people. People come in with a hurting, their, there's needs that they have. And, and uh, I, I find myself amazed at the number of people that will come in and you and you tell them what God's Word says and you give them specific books to read or CDs to hear and uh, give them recommendations you know, to make these slight changes and modifications in their life that are very scriptural. And then as time goes on, they call back wanting more help. But, the, but and when you ask the question, have you read the book? Did you listen to the CD? Did you do? Well, we haven't got around to it yet. They just don't understand that the only way that you're going to see change in our life is being a disciple, a student of the Word, and to make that transformation to what the Word says. However, there's also many people that I have the blessing of talking to that do act upon it. And later on, they give me a hug around the neck or they shake my hand and, or they say... We, and it just, it's a blessing to me. Not because I had anything to do with it. It's just that I was able to deliver the word that they acted upon. All I was was a messenger. I can't heal a fly. But I have a father who can do anything. And if you yield yourself to him, he'll work through you. See, he's got to work through you. He's got to work through his people. We're his body. That's who he works for. If he doesn't have a body, he can't do anything here. That's why it's so important to be obedient. That's why it's so needful for us to serve. We have so many people in this church that don't serve. 
See, if you're called to this church, if you, if you have embraced Pastor John and Michelle's vision, you're called to serve here. People's expectations are that, well, if I do that, you know, every weekend, I mean, I just have a lot of time, you know, I'm busy, I've got to travel my job. And, and yeah, that's fine, you know, people have work, but how about one service a month to start with? And I know people that have done that, and the people that start, all of a sudden you find them working a different service or another service, and they take on more and more because all of a sudden, when they get the blessings flowing in their life because they have allowed themselves to be more meaningful much bigger than themselves, all of a sudden they find out that, wow, this is great stuff. <laughs> and they just want to do more and more. And the, and, and the more they serve, the more God's able to steer them. And the more blessings flow. And you see step by step by step by step by step the house is being built. We get into this new building. Where's it going to be about this way? We get into this, this one? That way. I haven't got a compass on this one. <laughs> when that house is built, we're going to need people. Oh, Pastor John, no one's worried about people. God's called us to do what we're doing. People will come. And those people that step up and start serving, blessings are going to flow. I, I, I think if we had every person that was currently a volunteer in this church in this room, and you can put it, you can fit them in here, but if you had everyone in there and you talked to them each one individually, they wouldn't give up their serving for nothing. And some of them maybe have been very resistant in the beginning, but they stepped out and they found out, wow. There's more to this. Go with me to First Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two. I was hoping to get to page twenty. I'm on five right now. Okay. First Peter chapter two, and we'll start with verse six. It says this therefore it is also contained in the scripture, behold. I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. And he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Now listen to this carefully. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. There's that word believe again. To you who believe, he is precious. And look, and look at this. But to those who are disobedient, it didn't say unbelievers, it says disobedient. See, see in, God, in God's realm, there's only, two, there's only two choices. You're either a believer and you're walking in the light as He is in the light, in conformance to His Word, obedient to His Word, or the other option, and the only other option, is you're walking in disobedience. People don't like that black and white. They would rather have a little shades of gray in there. No, I'm not walking in obedience, but but I'm still a good person. So it says, to you who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, goes on to say the stone which the builders rejected, referring to Jesus, the word, has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. There is not a person that's living or dead that didn't have a purpose and call of God in their life. Not one. Some chose the path of walking with God. Some chose not to. And as a result, they lost everything they could have had. Because they made... I thank God for having a will of our own, but sometimes I wonder, man, I wish I didn't. 
But as an act of their will, they made a different choice. And the impact and the changes and the wonderful lives they could have made a difference in, God had to use someone else to make that happen because they refused. They were disobedient. If you believe, you are obedient. If you choose not to be a doer, then you're in disobedience. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 15. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. In our lives today, you know, people make sacrificial offerings, let's say in finances. Or they sacrifice some time and effort to do a project or an event at a church. In some cases, and probably more than you think, sometimes it's done out of a guilt because they're not obedient in many other areas and so they think, we, well, maybe I can earn some godly brownie points by doing some of these other things. But those sacrifices they're making really are all for naught because they're dead works, what the Bible calls dead works. If that's their motivation, they're dead they mean nothing. There are no brownie points that are given. It is only through the obedience. That's the important thing to God. Not any sacrifices that we may make for his kingdom. Okay? Now, let's go over to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9. Just a few more scriptures and we'll, and we'll call it a day. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9, it says, And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Can we conclude then, guys, that if we don't obey him, he is not the author of our eternal salvation? When you, read it, when, you, when you think of it in that context, it, doesn't it make you think a little bit? See, the Word says He becomes the author of our eternal salvation when we obey Him. So if we choose to be a disobedient, if we choose and resist from doing what His Word says. See, sometimes the Word says, you know, it, we don't want to do it for a multitude of different reasons. It might be a time factor in our life or a difficulty factor, or something we've never done before, and we would have to spend all this time in learning and doing something totally different. And we resist. Now, does that mean because I'm disobedient in an area that I've lost my eternal son? No. It just simply means that when we're obedient, in the areas of life where we're obedient, there's where you're going to live happily. There's where you're going to receive joy and peace and all the things that we expect. But in other areas of our life where we choose to be disobedient, guess what? Consequences are, are usually pretty negative. You know, the word, you know the word, we don't experience the peace and the joy and the love and, and everything that goes with it because we've chosen not to receive his salvation in that area, at least for now. Psalms 111. Uh, King James Version. Psalms 111, verse 10. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those, listen to this, a good understanding have all those who do 
who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. And we'll finish with the scripture here. Psalm 25, verse 14. Psalms 25, verse 14 says this. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. And he will show them his covenant. The secret of the Lord is with those who reverence him. How do you reverence him? By doing and obeying what his word says. And he, when we obey and do what his word says, will show us his covenant. What's that mean? Well, we know we have a covenant. We have a blood covenant with him. When Jesus died, was sacrificed, when his blood was shed, he was shedding the blood of God because he was 100% God. And he was shedding the blood of man because he was 100% man who was perfect, who didn't sin. And that's why he was the perfect sacrifice for man. That's why, and in that blood covenant, everything that, that belonged to God belongs to man. Everything that belongs to man belongs to God owns everything anyway. But everything he possesses, we possess. So when he says, when you have the fear of God in your life and you're reverencing him, and you're being obedient to the word, he's going to show you his covenant. In other words, the things, the prosperity, the abundance, the health, the wealth, the relationships, the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, the gentleness, the goodness, the temperance, the meekness, the faith, all the things that are bundled up in that covenant come our way. You can't stop them. We're in obedience. Bow your heads with me. Father God, in Jesus' name, Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for an obedient people. I thank you, Father, for for your wonderful knowledge and understanding and wisdom. Father, help us to grow. Help us to take your word and make it a part of our lives. Help us to think it, to speak it, to do it. Help us to be transformed, Father, into your image. Father, as we go today, I just ask and call for blessings upon each and every individual here that you send forth your holy angels to accompany them, to defend, preserve, and protect them in all their ways. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Now remember, no class next week or no service next week. <laughs>